If you want to get rid of all the ads, just choose the David McWilliams Plus option on Apple Podcasts and you'll hear us without any clutter or noise or ads. Lovely, John. Beautiful. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. To understand the economy... You have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing there? It is time for the podcast and we have a pretty packed one. It's going to be involved a little bit deep economics this time, John, a little bit of banking, a little bit of monetary economics. I'm going to stick my clever hat on. I'll tell you, you've got to get your big pointy hat. Big pointy hat. (laughs) And my glasses at the end of my nose. Exactly. Push them up like, yeah, yeah, knowledgeably, you know, exactly. Uh, But before we start, what about Gary Lineard becoming the official opposition? Yeah, good man, Gary. Of the UK. Fantastic. I still don't forgive him. I know he's all loved up. Everyone loves him now. And Gary Gary Lineard, he scored the jammiest goal against us in the 1990 World Cup. The qualifier, no, the first, first game. Where was that? In Italy. Italia yeah. 90. Right. right? The jammiest, oh, yes, jammiest, I do remember that. jammiest yes, goal yeah. against us, right? He kind of took it in with his chest and then he sort of, he almost kind of bellied it over the... over the. But isn't the, that what a, what a lodger does? Yeah, but so, so we can't forgive him. So yeah. he, now he's all lovely and he's, you know, he's all, he's, all, he's all right on and everything. But deep down, if it hadn't been for Kevin Sheedy putting the ball in the English net in the that's second it, half, that's it, we that's would it. have gone out of Italian 90. We would never have won it, even though we didn't win it. But there we go. <laughs> well, I have to say, I, I'm delighted that whatever about Gary Lineker, <laughs> righty and all the other lads have backed him. And that's good. Well, it's just funny how, how, how football has become the official opposition. Yeah. Of the United Kingdom, which is quite amazing. I think the BBC have got it wrong, I have to say. I think they have it wrong. Well, BBC, one. we know that you broadcast your first broadcast in October of 1922. We broadcast our first broadcast in May of 2000 odd, okay? I think you have been warned. The podcast has the measure of you. 2019 it was. John, it was 2019, was it? Yeah, John Davis has the measure of you, BBC. Yeah, absolutely. You may well have We're direct, coming for you. You may well have had directors with names like Marmaduke Hussey in the past. That's okay. I'm going to call you Marmaduke from now on. <laughs> yes. I'm quite good with that one, actually. John, but there have been things in your mind. There's loads of stuff in my mind. I was ensconced in newspapers and all sorts of stuff this week, trying to figure out a couple of things, and I need a bit of a steer on this. Because it's a big week. It is a big week. So let's start with this Silicon Valley bank. Okay. That went tits up. That's bust now. Yeah. Was taken into receivership at the end of trading last Friday. For 
Irish listeners, I'll give you a bit of context. Yes, okay. too. What is going on here is the same as happened in Anglo-Irish Bank. More or less the same. All oh, right. Okay. okay, so imagine what happened in Anglo. The place just went bust, right? Yeah. The depositors looked to get their money out, the whole thing. What actually happened in this bank? Imagine Anglo was for fellas in very bad fitting Hugo Boss suits. <laughs> right. Remember the developers love one of those, right? Yeah. This is for fellas in hoodies. Anglo was for fellas in the Aviva lower. This is for fellas in skate parks, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Anglo was for fellas who went to Bruce Springsteen. This yeah. is for fellas who go to Burning Man. But it's the same shite. A bank has gone bust because it bet yeah. the wrong horse. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So I'll tell you what's happening, right? Were they pulling figures out of their arse as well? They were. Oh, like David Drum. You have no idea how many how many figures will be pulled out of arses in the next 10 days. Because the American government will probably come in and bail this out in some way, shape or form. Oh, will That's they? The okay. But I'll give you a bit of context. I have been reading, John. No, you're always coming in. You're worried about it. I'm yeah. reading a book, I'm right? I'm always worried. I know you are always worried. Like, what's he reading? Oh, <laughs> more more bit. <laughs> it's a book called Keynes Hayek, The Clash That Defined Modern Economics. It's a very brilliant book right. by a guy called Nicholas Watsop. It's about the intellectual battle between J.M. Keynes, John Maynard yep. Keynes on the one hand, and a guy called Frederick Hayek on the other. Okay? Right. And Hayek was an Austrian from the Austrian school. Yep. I'm on a very brilliant day, which is November 1928. They meet for the first time. Right. They end up being the two big intellectual giants of two... Were they mates? Profoundly not at all. Right, okay. But Keynes was avuncular, he was charming, mm. he was upper-class British, he was very gay, very camp, hung out with okay. the Bloomsbury set. Uh, Virginia Woolf was his mate. Really a brilliant guy, all-around fascinating person, mm. right? Hayek was an uptight Austrian, you know, who, who was very exacting, very minimalist, I think probably not the best crack to hang right, out with. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That kind of sums it up for it. <laughs> exactly, but interesting. So, but yeah. at the source, we'll actually do a podcast on Hayek versus Keynes mm. in the next week or two when I've finished this book. It's, I just rereading it because I hadn't re read it for ages. But at the nub of the difference was that Keynes believed the government has a responsibility in the economy. Mm. And if the market fails, that you should actually go and help the market right itself. Hayek believed, on the other hand, that not only should the government not involve itself, but it should let the economy be on its own and not involve itself. Now, this ended up becoming... This is, so this is very much kind of pure free market economics exactly. versus... Versus uh, interventionist economics. Yes, so that's, yeah. and, that, and that's basically okay. the big debate of the, of the 20th century, right? Yeah. In effect. And interestingly, libertarians love Hayek. Okay. And libertarians also love Silicon Valley. Right, yes. So it's the libertarian bank that's just gone bust. Now it's interesting whether those libertarians start to squeal about the market now and say, oh my God, bail us out, bail us out. Or whether they actually will say, well, you know, we believe in Hayek and the market is bust and we lose our money. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, are libertarians Keynesians when it comes to losing their own money? And are they members of the Hayek fraternity when it comes to losing other people's money? Okay, well, let me ask you a question. Let's start with okay. the question then, because what I have been reading about this is that one of the issues that this bank, SVB, had was too much deposits. Okay. And I got, hang on a second, it's got too much money it's got and too that becomes much money. a problem. So but let's go back, right? So the bank is about 40 years old, Yeah. right? It started logically by setting up in Silicon Valley to finance the startup culture that was emerging in Silicon Valley in the late 1980s. Okay, mm. so that's the background, yeah. okay? Yeah. And it's been trading away as a balance sheet 
of about 200 billion. So it's a substantial bank. It's not yeah. small, right? Okay, I want to say it's a balance sheet that has deposits of, I think it's about 188 billion, right? So in and around 200 billion. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you could imagine about three years ago, when crypto was going up and the tech bros were going up yeah. and the fellows in the hoodies with the skate parks and the burning man <laughs> were just, you know, IPOing up the yin-yang, okay? Yeah. They were getting money from everyone, everything they were going to And they always say, I've got this really cool company, you know, and I've got a bunch of stuff and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> oh, those dudes, right? And they were moving fast and breaking and things all over the shop. And they were moving fast and breaking things all over the shop, all over the shop. <laughs> right, gotcha. plaster of Paris everywhere, right? <laughs> so these guys, right? These guys are cock of the hoop two yeah. years ago, right? Now... And everybody wants to be part of that gig, right? And, and who doesn't want to be the bank for startups? So we're basically talking about there's the bank for normal people, and this is the bank for crypto stroke startups, right? Yeah. Now, a couple of years ago, it would have been an amazing thing. So, oh, I want a piece of that. Like people will write nice things about you on Twitter, you know, say, really nice person. You might be invited to Davos to give a speech about global warming yeah. or some sort of this, you know. And ultimately, this seemed like a really, really good idea to be involved in this sector. In the same way as Anglo was a really good idea to be involved in Irish building yes. and yeah, land yeah, yeah. when it was going well. Yeah, absolutely. Like who didn't want to develop a piece of land and who didn't want to lend to the developer? Yeah. And what Anglo were doing also was they were taking a little cut on the side. So Anglo would say to you, right, you'd walk into your Hugo Boss suit with your <laughs> Bruce Springsteen back catalogue and you would say, <laughs> you would say, I'd like 100 million quid, I'm going to develop this. And in four years' time, it's going to be worth 500 million quid. Yeah. And Anglo would say, okay, here's the 100 million quid. And as a little sweetener for us, why don't you give us a little bit of the equity? So why don't we take 5% of the deal? Right, okay. And we'll buy it off you now at the cheap price. And then when we both sell it at the expensive price, we'll both make out like bandits. Right, okay. This is what Anglo's business model was. Yeah, yeah, They yeah, called yeah. it in that great Irish thing, relationship banking. Right. <laughs> Which just means ripping everybody off banking. Right. These feckers were at the same carry-on over in America, right? right. Okay. So they'd say to, I don't know, I have a bunch of stuff. I've got this new cool, I don't know, fucking AI-related this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah. And I'd say, will you lend me money? And you'd say, I'm the bank of Silicon Valley. I've, I'm the startup bank, yes. And can I take 5% of the equity if you IPO this in a couple of weeks' time or a couple of months' time and you yeah. increase the value, we all make out like bandits. Yeah. So, so that's the... The background noise, the whole thing. Yeah. So who doesn't want to be in that sort of business? The only problem is a traditional bank, okay, and Anglo was not one, because yeah. Anglo, we now know, was kind of a criminal conspiracy. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the time, it was no different to most of the other Irish banks. So they all went bust. Mm. Ireland was quite outrageous. Every single bank went bust. Every single bank needed a bailout. Yeah. Not just one, not two, all of them. Yeah. So these guys in America, they are lending to the crypto bros right? And to the tech bros. And the tech bros, normally what a business model of a bank is, it takes money from people who don't need it, so they save it, and it gives it to people who need it, mm. right? And they, they charge the people who give them money, i.e. depositors, it gives them a lower rate of interest to the people it actually lends money to, and that's how it makes its money. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. really simple, right? It's called the term structure of interest rates, and we're going to talk about the yield curve in a minute and why this is all yes, important. Yes, yes, right? we do need to talk about So basically, about that. that's what banks do, right? And there's always at the core of the bank a dilemma, which is that the deposits that it takes in... Now, the problem with deposits is you and I and many, many people, and certainly the older generation, believe that when you deposit money in a bank you are putting it into a safe box yes, for of course, safekeeping. Yeah. But actually, that's not the case. You're actually lending 
to what is in effect a highly leveraged mm. organization. When you put in money, let's say Bank of Ireland or AIB, you're actually lending the money. Yeah. Yeah, so if yeah, they go yeah. bust, you lose your money, right? Yeah. Okay, but we don't see it that way. Yeah, so we it, see it as completely risk-free. Exactly, but it's not at all, yeah. right? And we know that in Ireland from 2008. Yeah, we all know that now, yeah. So basically what happens is you lend money to the bank at, let's say, 2% interest, and they lend me money at 5% interest, mm. and they make the 3% in the middle. But the dilemma for banks is the following, is that typically... The stuff they lend to, and I'm going to use houses because it's easy to figure out, right? right okay. Stuff they lend to is illiquid and long-term. So if I get a mortgage from a bank, right, it is a 30-year contract I have with the bank, yep. and the underlying asset is illiquid in the sense you can't sell it tomorrow morning, mm. right? A, because I live in it, and B, because the market doesn't work like that. Yeah. So the bank has this mismatch. Its assets are very long-term. But it's liabilities, which are the deposits, and I'll explain why that works as well, because most people say, hold on, doesn't that work the other way around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's liabilities are short-term, which is your deposit. You can take your your deposit out tomorrow morning. Yeah. So the reason the banks go bust is there's a run of the on the bank, and it is because the people who deposit money think there's no money in the bank. I better get in quickly. And the reason bank runs happen quickly is because it's a sequential thing. Mm. In a bank run, the person who gets their money out first gets paid. Yeah. Because there's only a pool of savings in the bank. So if you're the last in the queue, if you're Paddy last, you're gone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that's the panic. For, yeah, yeah. So everybody tries it, to yeah. get in. So we'll explain all that dynamic in a second. But in this particular case, what sparked that bank run? Okay, so we're going to go back again. So what made this bank different is that it was the banker of the tech bros and the startup bank. Now, what happens to those sort of institutions is something bizarre is they don't need money. Okay, now mm, think about right. this, right? You need this to is, explain that this one. Is very, so, so in the normal bank, the depositor and the borrower are two different people, Yeah. right? Yeah. And the bank's job is to figure out how do I get money from John to David and out to the market, okay? Mm. In this case, the depositor yeah. and the lender are one and the same people. And the reason is the following. This is the bizarre thing. What happens is you think if you're a startup company and you've just raised 50 million quid from a venture capitalist, right? Yeah. Okay, so the venture capitalist has raised money from somewhere else. Right? Yeah. So you you go in and you say, well, I, I, I need a bank. But the thing about startup companies, right, is they're burning through the money the venture capitalist gave them. Hmm. So the money they put in the bank, they don't need. So first of all, the depositors, it's there for safekeeping, right? right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So this bank, therefore, isn't in the business of taking money from you, John, and giving it to me, David. Marmaduke, please. So Marmaduke, you really do look like a Marmaduke. <laughs> Go on. You do. No, we're working on that look. Yeah, yeah, your trousers are a little bit too short. But it's a nice colour red, though, isn't it? It's a, he's got, oh yeah, he's got these lovely red trousers on. He looked, he's got that you know, Twickenham arse face. Come on. So, let's go back. So, what happened here, and this is the extraordinary thing, is the depositors and the customers were one and the same thing, right? right? So typically what happens is the depositors and the customers are totally different, right? Yes. But they're one and the same thing. Why? Why is this? This is a fascinating thing. It's because there was no shortage of cash in Silicon Valley because everybody wants to give these companies money. So once they got money, what did they do? They put it into this bank. Mm. But then the bank was obliged to give them back some interest 
on the money they deposited. Right. So how did the bank do that? Typically, then it says, it would have been a normal bank, it would have lent money out to me as the mortgage holder, I'd have paid a mortgage, yeah. a little bit of that mortgage would go back to you. Yeah. They don't have that, right? So they had to deposit money somewhere else. There are no customers. Now think about this. Right. Okay. There, are, there isn't a great demand in Silicon Valley for finance because it's all been pre-financed by somebody else. So the bank is sitting okay, there thinking, right. what do we do? They say, well, what we'll do is we'll put it in really low-risk government bonds, right? Yeah. And they will be fine. Okay, so that is safe. So there's a little bit of income. It's not going to make a huge amount of money, but it's going to cover their arse. It's going to cover their arse. So basically okay. most banks deal in the world of credit risk. So mm. I take money from David, I give it to John. My risk is that John doesn't pay, so it's a credit risk. Okay. This bank was involved in interest rate risk. This is quite different. I take money from John, from his new startup that's just been given 10 million quid mm. by some angel investor, mm. and I lend it to the American government, i.e. I am buying American government bonds, right, which is yeah. basically lending to the government. Yeah. In return, the American government is giving me a rate of interest. I'm giving John back a wee bit of that, right? Yeah, okay. But John is both depositor and customer, Yeah. right? There is no customer. Right. Or the final customer is the American government. Right. So put that in your head. That's the first thing. So it's not a typical bank. That's the yeah. first thing. The second thing is... It is a bank that is therefore involved not in credit risk, but in interest rate risk. Yes. And this comes back to our friend, the yield curve. But yeah. there's one last thing I want to add into this, right? Is that as long as Silicon Valley is doing well, yeah. right? The chances of all the tech bros going to the well of the bank and taking their money out is very very slight because they don't need money. Yes. Why is that? Because they're getting money from all also they have the, what they call liquidity events, right? <laughs> I know. It you're, holding, medical, you're holding your bell as, as I say this. <laughs> Armaduke. So the liquidity event is the following. So when all these guys are at Burning Man doing ayahuasca together. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which they are, right? Yeah. They yeah. come up with all these madcap ideas, cool ideas of apps and things, okay? Uh -huh. And then they go to the VC guy. The VC dude, hey the money dude, money yeah. guy. <laughs> And the money guy gives them money because they're the creative guy, okay? They're the ayahuasca-inspired creative burning man guy, okay? Yeah. Right? And they, <laughs> we are going off on a tangent here, but you get the picture. I do, I do. They, I do. I they... Very clear image Yes, of this, exactly. Actually. They are now licking frogs <laughs> as we speak, right? So they get the money from the, the VC guy. Mm. Now, what this means is that when interest rates are zero, there's very little demand from these guys to actually go into their bank account and withdraw money to pay their employees, for example, to pay the founder's rent, for example, all this sort of, because there's yeah. money everywhere, right? Yeah. So there's money and money everywhere. So the bank then is lulled into a false sense of security that de the deposits are what we call sticky, right. that they don't move. Yeah. So for example, if you talk to our mothers, for example, or any of the older generation, they don't change bank. If they get a Bank of Ireland yeah, account yeah, 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 when they're yeah, exactly. 20, that's it, yeah. right? So that those deposits are what we call sticky. Mm. Now, this techno bank, it's called the techno bank, actually. Yeah. This techno bank, that was under a false sense of security that the deposits were sticky. Why? Because over the last 10 years, none of the tech pros have taken the money out. Why? Because they're having all these liquidity events. Yeah. They're loads of money, yeah. right? Yeah. And of course, then the bank says, well, you know, what are we going to do with the money? We'll lend, lend obviously lots of it to the government, but we can lend also to the tech bros. Maybe they want to buy a Silicon Valley pad or they want, you know, that sort of idea. Right. Okay. Or, or they, like, they used to like to buy vineyards. 
Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. My 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 Techbo Vim yard. Right. Okay. So so they're kind of want to buy some Merlot. Yeah. Precisely. Exactly. They're so they're up the yin yang with tech bro risk. Right. Yeah. At a time when interest rates are zero, so everything's hunky dory. Nobody's worried. Then, as you pointed out to me, as we just started, did you know, Mac, that Nasdaq was down thirty percent last year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So once interest rates change, two things happen. Right? These are profound for the balance sheet of the bank. Right, One is the deposits become a little bit less sticky. Now, why is that? It is A, because the tech bros' income is all tied up in stock options and we're going to have an IPO or whatever. Mm. When the value of those stocks falls, suddenly the tech bros have got to go to the bank like normal people to take out money to pay rent and to pay this, that, and the other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So suddenly there's a demand on deposits. And that means deposits begin to leave. But not in huge amounts. This is fine. Everyone can manage this, right? Sure. But also the buzz around the companies goes from hyper-giddiness to hyper-nervousness. Right. Right? Okay. But the, those tech companies, so all those tech companies that have deposits in the bank, the money they got from the VCs and all the other angel investors, mm. right? As long as everything's looking hunky-dory, they're fine. Once the mood music changes, as it has done in Silicon Valley, then everyone's a little bit, money's a little bit less flahool, VC financing disappears, and suddenly those deposits now become material to the company. That's the first thing. Second thing is when interest rates rise, not only do the tech companies fall and therefore the mood music changes, but something bizarre happens to the bank. So you remember the bank had these assets and liabilities. Yeah. So on the liability side for the bank mm. was the money they'd taken in on deposits. And the reason that's a liability is because the bank has to pay out on yeah. deposits. Yeah, actually you have to turn it into it cash. To, yeah, and it has to pay out. So yeah. it's, it's an yeah, ongoing yeah. liability. The reason the loans that banks lend out are called assets, even though it doesn't appear like assets, mm. okay, in your head, is because those loans generate income. Yeah. So what is generating income is an asset. What is having to be paid out is a liability. Mm. So what the bank has done, suddenly the deposits on the bank are looking a bit shaky. But they say, oh, well, don't worry, because we've lent all this money out to the American government and sure isn't that stable. Yeah. Yes, it is. But this is our yield curve, friend. Right. So what has happened is when interest rates rise, the value of bonds falls. Mm-hmm. We know that. You know, there's yeah. an inverse relationship between yeah. bonds and short-term interest rates. Yeah. So the value of the stock of assets that the bank has bought to cover it for its deposits falls. So suddenly, not only are interest rates difficult to manage, but they're terminal in terms of the difference between the liabilities and the assets on the balance sheet. Okay, so right, I'm, I'm getting. I know, this. I'm getting, John. This is this is banking 101. This is the sort of shit that the central bank should have known before the banks collapsed here, but they didn't. Yes, I know. Okay, listen. The other part of this story is about yield curves, and yes. this, and they're a bit complicated. So let's come back to that. So, so we so we have the balance sheet. We we know the assets. We know the yeah. liabilities. We know that the bank, you know, had this exposure to the tech bros. We know that. It was lulled into a false sense of security because yeah. nobody was demanding money. We know that its customers and its lenders were the same people, which yeah. is always really weird. And we know that it lent to the American government in order to have a secure flow of income. Yeah. But then once the bond market collapsed, 
the stock, the value of the stock of its assets collapsed. Yep. And yep. this makes it, this doesn't make a bank run. This just makes it fragile. The next part of the conversation is going to be on what happened. Okay. And the bank run. Let's talk about that after this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. So the big story from last year, as we've talked about, was inflation rearing its ugly head. Yep. So that sparked off a whole load of different events that happened. Yep. Dominoes. 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 Exactly. So, so explain to me some of those dominoes and, okay. and the effect that they had. Okay. So, John, the, the most important thing to appreciate about interest rates is what's called the term structure of interest rates. Now, this is an economic expression. Okay. The basic idea is the following, that interest rates in the short term are always or should always be lower than interest rates in the long term. Okay. And this is called the time value of money. And I always put it very simply when I'm teaching it. It's the very simple idea This: if I give you 10 grand today, mm. right, and you said, all right, Mac, I'll give it back to you tomorrow. Yeah. That's great. That's fine. There would be an interest rate for that, but I know where you live, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> no, okay. I know where, where you, you live. live. Right, I can come and get it tomorrow, right? If <laughs> with you, your baseball bat. If you, exactly, with my baseball bat and a couple of hoods, right? <laughs> if you said to me, Mac, give us 10 grand and I'm going to Indonesia for 10 years <laughs> and I'll see you in 2032, I'll say, okay, John, I will give you that, but I'm going to have to charge you a higher rate of interest. You'd be a little bit more nervous. You'd be a little bit more nervous, yeah. you know. Much as I love you and I know you, I would say, John, you can have the 10 grand, but you know what? I'm going to charge you a little bit more interest for the 10 grand that I won't see for 10 years yeah. than the 10 grand I'll see tomorrow because I know where you live. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right? I'll throw in a few frogs. Throw in a few frogs. As a sweetener. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently it's very sweet, you know. <laughs> but if you then, John, if you then imagine... That's one thing, because the risk premium goes up, yeah. right? But yeah. the other thing is called the opportunity cost of money. So if I give you the 10 grand, I can't have the 10 grand. So I forego lots of things that I could have used the sure. 10 grand for. Yeah. So consequently, I charge you yet another rate of interest. Mm. And then you have this final thing, which is 
what do I think the rate of inflation is going to be in 10 years? Because if I give you 10 grand now and the rate of inflation is going to be 10%, then basically the money you give me back, the 10 grand, is going to have been inflated away in terms of real value. So I've got to add an interest rate. So basically what you have is a situation that short-term interest rates are always lower than long-term interest rates, right? Okay. So basically- Long-term interest rates, the way to think of it, are short-term interest rates with a risk premium. Yeah. And that risk premium can be interest rate risk, can be inflation risk, can be event risk, can be credit risk, can be all sorts of risks. You incorporate them all in and you pay me more for money that I give to you for 30 years, okay. right? Because you have the cash and yeah. I don't, right? Yeah. So that's always the way. And the techno bank would have said, okay, this is fine. We're going to lend long to mm. cover ourselves. But the problem is that assumes the yield curve, which is this relationship between one-year money, two-year money, three-year money, five-year money, 10-year, 13-year, that is the yield curve, right? The curve that goes out, right? The assumption is always that it will be upward sloping. Yeah, okay. However, right now in the United States, the yield curve is inverted. Now, what does that mean? Yeah. What that means is the central bank in the United States has decided the rate of inflation it's too high now, and they are going to increase interest rates to 5 maybe 6% in order to ring out right. inflation. So that means that short-term interest rates are very high. But the assumption is they're going to be right, and they're going to bring down inflation, so long-term interest rates are very low. Okay. So the curve doesn't just gently slope upwards. Yeah. The curve inverts, right? right? Okay. And the inversion is actively a reflection of central bank policy. Now, the poor old tech bros, because they were skateboarding and licking frogs at the time, weren't really aware of economics. Right. Because they believe in libertarianism, that economics doesn't matter. Right? Right. So we're all free marketeers. So as they were... Hayek stuff. As they were skateboarding and and going to Burning Man, all this nerdy shit was happening in our heads, right? Yeah. Now, what happened then was that because the yield curve is inverted short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates. Yeah, but what does that mean? Like, what's the impact of that? So it's fascinating. Because short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates, it means if your deposits are short-term, you, the bank, is paying out more because short-term interest rates have risen. Okay. Now, normally what happens is short-term interest rates rise, the bank pays out more to its depositors, but long-term interest rates rise too, so consequently all is fine. They get more. It evens out, yeah. They They get more back in. Yeah, yeah. But because of the way in which the Fed is aggressively going after inflation, the real curve is inverted. So short-term interest rates are greater than long-term interest rates. Right. So it means they're paying out more on deposits yeah. than they are getting in on their investments on the far side. And one final problem is because bonds are what they call a fixed coupon, right? Yeah. There is an inverse relationship between the rate of interest and the price of bonds, right? Right. And what has happened over the last while is that when they bought the bonds, the rate of interest rate was zero. Mm. So the bonds were worth X. Let's say when they bought the bonds, the rate of interest rate was zero at the short end and let's say 1% the long end, right? Okay. So they bought the bond for $99. Yeah. Now the rate of interest is, let's say, 3% of the long end, but it's 5% of the short end, it's three. So the bonds have gone from $99 to $97. Right. So they've lost money. Yes. So suddenly yeah. their portfolio has lost. So all this is going on in the background. Jesus. Right? right. So this is really where monetary economics comes in. So you've got monetary policy, you've got inflation expectations, you have the way banks operate, you've treasury management, you've 
the difference between lenders and depositors, customers and borrowers. You have effervescence. You have short-term financing. All this stuff comes together. So this is really, John, this is the elixir. This is where it's all... This is the big like, melting pot yeah, of yeah. Which finance. I love. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is, yeah. Right. So this, the techno bank is stuck in the middle, right? Yeah. And up until last week, it looked fine. Right, more or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, so, it is, it's the, the sudden event of this. It's the sudden event. And the reason, this is why they're called bank runs, not bank strolls. Yes. Right? Or yeah, bank yeah. ambles. It's like a little bank. <laughs> Sachets. Sachets, exactly. Because they're bank runs because everybody panics. Yeah. So let's just stand back a wee bit. What you can see is, despite all the talk about technology changing the world, and it probably will do, mm. what in effect the tech bros were doing the people who finance tech were doing, and the bank, and in effect the American government, they were all taking a large bet on interest rates. Okay. When you actually strip it all back, yeah. right? That the entire financial model is based on their perceptions of interest rates, mm. right? But they weren't thinking that much about interest rates. So now as interest rates go from, let's say, zero to 5% in the United States, all that stuff is junk. It's but, all junk. Can, can, can I just stop you there? Why weren't they thinking about interest rates? That's their fucking job. Because they were taking ayahuasca at Burning Man. <laughs> Come on. No, because these things are complicated. I've just told you. Yeah. How complicated is this? No, absolutely. But yeah. but surely, surely they'd be because, kind of looking ahead a little no, bit and, and asking themselves, what if? What if? I tell you, it all comes back to our old friend, groupthink and human nature. Yeah. This is okay. what it comes back to, right? There is nothing more conformist than a man in a hoodie, okay? Yeah. Particularly at our age, at middle-aged, right? So basically what, what you have is, imagine Silicon Valley, right? Silicon Valley is a bit like, go back to Anglo, it's mm. a bit like Irish developers in 2005. And they're all talking to each other. Mm. So what happens is you get groupthink. And on the way up, everyone seems like a genius. And on the way down, everyone seems like an Egypt. Yeah. And yeah. the same people that were geniuses on the way up were Egypt on the way down because people can't accept that there is a contrarian view, right? Mm. So what you have is everybody is locked into this idea that everything's going to be okay, right? And that we had success for the last 20 yeah. years. And there's, so there's an element of, of wishful thinking as well. And all that sort of stuff. So basically what happened is when interest rates rose, I mean, if you think about it, like if you're the bank, if you're the treasurer of the techno bank and some dude comes into you and he says, I've just been given 100 million and I'm about to create an Uber that can fly. And you say, really, that's fascinating. And the technology comes from Boeing and it's a combination of Boeing and Tesla and Elon Musk is one of the investors. Mm. And you're like, mm, okay, that's fantastic, fantastic. And, you know, I'd like to open a deposit account and give you 100 million. Mm. The last thing you're going to say is, say, what if interest rates go up by 1%? <laughs> yeah, okay, right. <laughs> you know, in in, the, context, in yeah. the context of what the guy is feeling, you know, I'm going to change the world. And you're mm. like, okay. So basically everybody took their eye off the ball. Mm. And then what happens is that you get the fall in the stocks of the companies. You get some of these companies going bust. People then begin to realize, hold on a second, that bank that has 200 billion, that looks really, really strong. What happens if some of those deposits leave? What happens if some of those companies go bust? And suddenly people say, well, maybe I'll just take out my money, right? Mm. And the reason that bank runs happen is because the trust in the bank disappears. And the reason that happens is because the background noise changes, but something might trigger it. Mm. So there's a fellow called Peter Thiel, who is a geezer in Silicon Valley. 
And I think he invested in PayPal or one of those things years ago. I'm not too sure. Okay. I know he bought himself a big house in New Zealand where he's going to go if there's an apocalypse. You know, one of those sort of cases, right? Right, right, right. And, Doomsday uh, prepper. That sort of fella. And apparently he advised his people in his fund to take money out of the bank. He said, I'm worried about this. Oh, right. But the, what really got the bank, and this is right, is that, remember we, we come back to diversity is the key in life, mm. right? Is that if all the people who deposit money in your bank all get their money from a small bunch of Silicon Valley investors in the first place, yeah. everybody is umbilically linked together, right? If the mood music changes for the top guys, they all get on the phone and ring the little guys. Of course, And yeah. suddenly the things go from blue skies to rainy days. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And now, of course, there's been everybody tried to get their money out last week. What happens when you try to get their money out? There's no money. Why? Because they can't sell the bonds because the stock of bonds is worth less than what they actually bought. They also would have invested in small companies. Most mm. of those companies are trash because they're actually, when I said the customer and the deposit are the same thing, yeah. right? And you have this uh, shitstorm right in the middle of the balance sheet. And of course, once that gets out, everyone goes to the door. Germans have a great expression called, it's called Tor shuts panic, shut door panic. So it's, it's like that idea of, you know, the imagery I, I use is, is, the, is the fire in the theatre. So everyone's sitting down watching theatre. Mm. Somebody comes in and shouts fire. Everybody panics and runs to the emergency doors. Yeah. Right? So it's the same idea. Suddenly the bank runs out of money and it's gone. It's gone now. Right, okay. So where does it go from here? I mean, like I know I know we're kind of taking the piss a little bit out of the tech bros and the licking frogs and burning man and all that kind of stuff. But this is incredibly no, it is, serious. It's, it's, it is very it's serious. It's people's livelihoods and, 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 also, and we need these innovative guys anyway. No, you're absolutely right, John. I mean, this is, a, this is a very important financial engine for the technology sector. It's the 16th biggest bank in the United States. So it's not just some small bank. This is a big, big operation. But of course, the American government has the choice, has had the choice because they've just told us what they're about to do, right? They had the choice, which is, do we let, or do they let the depositors of this bank, or basically the asset holders of Mm. this bank, wait until they sell the liabilities and see what's left and maybe get 20 cents in the dollar, 80 cents in the dollar, 90 cents in the dollar. It could have been a huge amount, it could have been a small haircut. Yeah. The American government said, no, we're not going to risk 2008. So they've come out this morning and they have said, we are going to make whole all the deposits, which means we are going to, in effect, guarantee the deposits of this bank. It's what the Irish government did. Precisely. For, it's the for, same idea. Yeah. It's unpalatable. It is unpleasant. You can argue that politically it is rewarding those who speculated, etc. This is this is a bit, uh, this is like burn the bondholders idea, right? Yeah, 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 but what yeah. they've basically said is we have no choice in the sense that if this precipitates a massive run on other banks, we have a systemic problem. So the way in which we try to make this non-systemic is we ring fence this bank. And what they've done in effect is they've made uninsured deposits insurable right. with federal money, right? That's the first thing, right. right? They've also indicated that they are not going to raise interest rates for quite some time to allow oh, that's all a big change. banks, yeah, that's a big change, to allow all banks to recalibrate their balance sheet. But what it does is it goes to the very point of John is, what do you do when the banking system goes wrong? And this is precisely why banks need regulators, which is why, you know, for example, you don't have the, you don't have a regulator for Aaron Jumpers, 
because they're not systemically important, right? Okay. This is my ban- Banshees of Inishirin thing, okay, <laughs> yes. right? And the reason you need a banking regulator and a bank director to see through things is because banks, A, go bad from the inside out, Yeah. okay? And B, as I've always said, the easiest way to rob a bank is to run it. Right. So it yeah. usually happens. It's not like, you know, you think robbing banks, some lad jumps over the... Yeah. The roof with a stripy shirt. With a stripy shirt and says, Give us your money, right? That's not the way banks go bust. Banks go bust because the management are wrong. Yeah. And they still have a stripy shirt, though. They still, they, yeah, they're the stripy suits. Stripy suits, exactly. Now, so the American government have come in and said, Enough, yeah. right? And that's what I was saying at the top of the podcast. Does the Biden government want to entertain a bank run? No, it doesn't. What does it mean? But also, what you're seeing is bank stocks all over the world are being sold. Bank shares are sold. Why? Because people are saying it's never really one bad egg. If this right. is happening in this bank, so jitters and ripples all over the place. Well, it's also that idea that if we come back to what, what our point of the whole podcast is, the yield curve both gives and taketh away to use biblical things at the same time. <laughs> right. So, how many other banks are financed in the same way? So the deposits come in. They say, okay. Normally, we take money from people who have money, depositors, and we give it to people who need money, the customers. But what happens if they've all used the long end of the yield curve, i.e. government debt, to simply gain yield without taking on any credit risk? And Mm. if all the banking systems at that, this Silicon Valley bank is just the canary in the coal mine. And this, over the weekend, is what the Americans have decided, okay, we can't take that risk. Mm. But what it means is that to go back to our Hayek versus Keynes idea. We started there, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Is that the Hayekian view would be let it all go, right? Let it burn. Bankruptcies are part of the system. It's that idea that you cannot have, you know, capitalism without bankruptcies is like Catholicism without hell. It doesn't exist, right? You need need the sort of hell to threaten us to behave well, right? This is what they did with Lehman Brothers. Exactly. So basically... Hank Paulson, those guys, they first of all, they let Bear Stearns go yeah. in March of 2008. Okay, and the reason I know it was St. Patrick's Day 2008, Bear Stearns went bust. And the reason I know this is I was in New York and even worse, I was on Fox News. Oh, right. <laughs> Which is, yeah. <laughs> Hey, listen, man, you got it all going on. You got it all going on. (laughs) Me and Tucker, like this. Okay. Fake news, fake news. news. (laughs) I'm going to tell you all about that, my Fox News. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that was Paddy's Day 2008. Yeah. Okay. So Bear goes bust, right? Let go bust. Then Lehman goes September 2008. And the whole idea was this would cleanse the system and et cetera. And then they realized, no, the system is broken. Right. And these banks weren't outliers. They were actually the mainstream. This is what all banks were doing, right? So the banks have said, enough of your Hayek. That's all good for books, all good for textbooks, (laughs) all good for blackboards, not good for real life. So they've gone the Keynesian route. They said, let's just bail this out. Let's calm the situation down. Let's buy ourselves time. What you do... The only thing I've learned about crises, John, as a general rule in life, money, and every part of your career is... In a crisis, the thing you run out of most quickly is time. Right. Not money, yes. it's time. Yeah, yeah. So the key thing in a crisis is you buy time. And by buying time, it allows you to say, okay, is this one bad egg or is this systemically bad egg? And if it's systemically a problem, then we'll figure this out. So what they've done this morning is they've bought time. And the question now, is time enough? Or will some other bank emerge this next month as being in a 
perilous situation, which is precisely why the financial markets have sold all bank shares in the last right. 24 hours, because they're expecting some other unfavourable or unpleasant surprises. And the Federal Reserve have acted quickly. You saw in the UK, the Bank of England have got HSBC to buy the, yeah. the Silicon Valley Bank's branch in London for, for a pound. Yeah. And that basically means HSBC will make good the deposits and then they'll own the business. And of course, what's happening in Ireland, the Department of Finance says, we are monitoring the situation. <laughs> good on them. Good on them, because we have a version the of that. Skivering eagle. Exactly. We are looking at the Soviet Union. We're looking at Russia and we're watching you with one eye. So yes, here, everybody else has acted. And in Ireland, as of Tuesday morning, the authorities are monitoring the situation. <laughs> We talked to you Thursday. And we're going to be talking to Bernie Sanders. So we're going to be going from extreme capitalism to socialism in one leap. Talk to you Thursday. Just a quick message to say, why don't you sign up and follow us on Patreon? You get no ads. You get access to our chat community. And very soon, you will get an entirely new economics course on the history of money and how money operates in the economy. That's going to be out for next month, so join us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Dave McWilliams. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.